Seahawks fans, wherever you may be, welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Seahawks fans, welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alpstead, sitting down with Keith Myers. We've made it. This is our preview show, very first one of the year of an actual Seahawks game. Sunday, Seahawks at the Colts. Keith, welcome into the show. Oh, yeah, we are here. The NFL season is beginning. In yes. fact, we're recording this on a Thursday, and when we are done recording, I'm going to go sit on my couch um, have some dinner and watch an actual meaningful regular season NFL game because the NFL season kicks off tonight. Um, and even though I kind of hate both of the teams that are playing, I don't even care right now. Yeah, it's might as well go watch. And I'm excited for it. I, yeah. I totally agree. I am totally in agreement. So um, let's just kind of jump right in. Um, we are on the road, first game of the year, brand new offensive coordinator. Our first team offense and defense, um, except for one or two players, didn't even sniff the field in preseason. We have no idea what we're going to see. We think we know what we're going to see in theory, but we finally actually get to see it happen on the field. Any weird feelings or uh, expectations that you have that that might be outside the the normal box? I just, uh, honestly, I just don't know what to expect. And being the fact that Wilson hasn't thrown a preseason snap or any of that, I I don't even know. Because are they going to come out kind of vanilla because they know the other team doesn't know what to expect either? So, um, if you know, with no expectations, they're not planning against anything. Are they going to come out flashy and uh, really try and catch the Colts, uh, you know, off guard and be like, Hey, here's some really weird things that you just know. It's impossible for you to have, um, you have pre- prepared for. And if it works and then you've got them like looking over their shoulder, um, the rest of the game, cause they're like, okay, when's that coming back? And instead, you know, you're doing more basic things. Um, I don't know. And I am just, I, I'm looking forward to it. I honestly, we have been talking about the Shane Waldron <laughs> offense and what it's going to look no like doubt. with Russell Wilson and how different players and, and fit into it and the outside zone scheme and all of this. And you know what? We actually get to see it happen. I don't know if the um, execution is going to be great because they haven't done it yet, but we get to see it and that's all that really matters. Yeah, I think my real my only real concern with the offense is to kind of try to establish running the ball. I, I understand the advanced analytics and stuff say that that doesn't matter. It, it, it matters to some coaches in the NFL. And I just kind of want to see if that translates to, to, from Pete to, to Shane in just really trying to force that issue, get Carson involved, get Penny going, get DJ Dallas going, figure out that part of the offense first before, um, you know, Russell Wilson's kind of unchained a little bit. I think that would be a mistake in this game, given the fact that the Colts have a really stellar defense, uh, defensive line and really kind of play the run very well. In fact, I think they were uh, ranked second in the NFL overall last year defending the run. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> that would be a little bit of a concern. 
And that's really about it. I think that, you know, the entire offense is designed to get the ball out quick, kind of get into a rhythm and so forth. I think our offensive line has improved enough to give Russell Wilson enough time to kind of figure that out, get into that a little bit. I'm really excited to kind of see what that looks like, how Gerald off uh, Everett kind of comes into play. Um, if they actually ut- utilize the tight ends uh, to the potential that I think that the, that they have. And and let's finally see DK Metcalf the first time in, in nine months or whatever it is, eight months, um, and DK um, and Tyler Lockett come back into the offense and see how they fit into this scheme where the entire idea is to get them uh, available into open space. And then I know that you uh, would like to see that rookie out there too. Oh, yeah. I mean, who wouldn't? Who doesn't want to see the rookie out there? Um, but... I mean, Eskridge is a guy that is just electric once the ball gets into his hands. Um, and they're going to, you know, they're going to scheme him um, the ball in his hands with a little bit of space um, so that he can use that talent of his. Um, and we haven't even seen him. I mean, we've seen you know, him a couple of plays, but my goodness, it's just going to yeah. be amazing. I'm just going to have a smile on my face the first time I see him break one off. It's just going to be crazy. Yeah. And that's the thing is we just um, straight up don't know what um how they're going to use him or or because you know he missed so much time in uh training camp like how built into this you know the game plan is he i know that like they've got they've got plays designed for him and they've got all this stuff like set up and, and and schemed for but what we don't know is if they actually are going to dip into that part of the playbook or whether they're going to wait until week two or week three once he's had more chance to practice. Yeah, I, th- I feel the same way about DJ Dallas. It's like the way DJ Dallas showed up in training camp and in the preseason games, it makes you wonder if the, the, uh, the team now feels more confident about using him and designing plays around him um, in that wide zone scheme situation and, and receiving out of the backfield. So he'd be another mm-hmm. guy that I would have my eye on as well. Um, on the defensive side, Daryl Taylor. Um, I think everyone's just really interested to find out how the team is going to use Daryl Taylor. Is he out there setting the edge on uh, first and second down, playing, uh, dropping back into coverage to cover um, tight ends and running backs? And how well does he do that? Um, is he kind of a misfit in that situation? Should they be really making him a pass rush specialist? Or is he an ideal fit for that, Sam? And we just, haven't seen it yet and um and it's going to work out great i'd like to know that yeah i mean that's the thing is is when um when they moved him out there you know it's he can set the edge against the run and he he that he they're they're wanting him to do that kind of stuff but they also want him to come up and rush the passer but when you're out at the linebacker spot is he going to be dropping into coverage i'm and and how, how does he look doing that honestly um, when they said he, they were moving him to Sam, I was like, that's cool against on running plays, but in the, yeah, I don't want him back in coverage. I want him pinning his ears back and, and going and trying to kill a quarterback. Um, and so, yeah, it really is a, um, a, an interesting situation. I know that when I was at practice and what we saw, we saw him play a lot of defensive end, not a lot of linebacker. Um, and I think that's because they're going to be in the nickel a ton in order to get Marquise Blair um, and or Ugo Amadi on the field. And that makes a lot of sense. That means, 
that means you don't have a you don't have a strong side linebacker, and he's going to be a defensive end anyways. Um, but they are going to have him at Sam at times, and we'll see what that looks like. It's it's going to be very interesting. So on the other side of the ball, we are facing Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz has been out with a foot injury, had a little surgery. He's out, uh, wasn't expected back by the first game, but he's he's back. He's had this little COVID thing going back and forth with the team and not being vaccinated and all that stuff. It's been kind of a distraction, really. And um, and and we've been his nemesis. Like, if there's any team in the NFL, he's 0-5 against the Seahawks, you know, but he's going to have a change of scenery. He's going to have a better offensive line. That offensive line in Philadelphia was abysmal. The whole situation mm-hmm. in Philadelphia ended up being completely dysfunctional, including Carson Wentz. You know, he just would, did not look like the same quarterback that we'd seen in 2017-18, just completely a guy that was discombobulated and quite frankly, just completely disinterested in, in being there. And then, and then he was, well, well, he was the most sacked quarterback in the NFL last year. And so, but he goes to the Colts, the Colts pro football focus, 2020 rankings was eighth overall, um, offensive line and second overall in sacks allowed. So my question to you, Keith, is what does that do to Carson Wentz? Like, I think we both kind of understood Carson Wentz to be a guy that was needing a little bit of protection, needing the time. But if he had the time, he was pretty decent at getting those completions. Do you think he has mm-hmm. that with the Colts in this first game? Um, I The Colts offensive line is significantly better. And, and it doesn't matter which quarterback you're talking about in the NFL. You give them better protection and more time, they're going to be better. Jared Goff. Um, yeah. You give him... Okay, <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that out there. How about how about reasonably decent quarterback? Um, then that works. You give them you give them more time and protection, and they're going to be better. And um, so I think that's going to help Wentz. But Wentz was broken last year, and I don't mean like um, like he was injured. I mean his mechanics were broken, his decision making was broken. Um, he was not a good football player. And and Peterson was getting, not a good football coach. Well, there's that, um, which is it's a, which that is how it ended up. I was I'm a little surprised at that because when he was when they were made that Super Bowl run um, with a backup quarterback, um, he was all that. Yeah, yeah. I I was I was impressed. I'm like, wow, this is this is a, a good coach. But then Frank Reich left Philly and went to. Um, went to Indy as their head coach instead of being uh, offensive coordinator in Philly and everything fell apart um, in Philly. And then you basically, you kind of see just how, um, how much of Frank Reich was involved in that Super Bowl run. And now he's, you know, with Indy. Um, And I know he believes in Carson Wentz and that's why they went and made the trade and they brought him in. Um, But after what we saw last year, honestly, I, I hope for his sake, um, that he everything turns around and he has a good year. Um, because if he doesn't, he might be out of the league here. Uh, because uh, he looked really, really bad last yeah. year. He was one of the worst quarterbacks that was playing. Um, and yes, a lot of that had to do with the situation. But but just watching the tape was is bad. I mean, he like I said, 
he his accuracy was non-existent. I mean, it was Tim Tebow bad. It's hard to um, understand yeah. without really any practice, any time taking any snaps in preseason and just getting kind of back and really only practicing with the team a couple of weeks in a new situation. I know Frank is his old OC and whatnot, but he's uh, uh, surrounded by unfamiliar faces and so forth. It would be just really difficult for any quarterback to kind of come in and, and be successful right out of the gate in that. And you put them against a, a defensive line and linebacker group and safety group in, in the Seahawks that I think is going to be end up being one of the top 10 units overall in the NFL. Maybe not the back end. We'll, we'll have that conversation in a minute. But that pass rush is is going to be, I think, something fierce. Now, it may not be right out of the gate. We'll just have to wait and see. Right. The Colts have a great offensive line. They've got a couple of players in Eric Fisher and Quentin Nelson that are all pros. But um, team speed against those guys getting around the edge and putting pressure on Wentz to make mistakes. Turnovers could be a big factor in this game. Mm -hmm. Well, if his accuracy is as bad as it was last year, um, it's not going to matter what Seattle's cornerbacks, uh, you know, and and the, the struggles because there's going to be turnover opportunities. There's going to be, if there are touchdown opportunities, he's going to miss them because he's just, you know, it was, it was literally that bad. Um, and, you know, we'll see, but you said it right. I mean, he came over, it's a new team. Yes. It's the same. It's, it's his head coach used to be his offensive coordinator. So he knows the scheme and all of that, but it's all new players around him. Um, and then he didn't practice for a month. And missed the preseason and all of that. So uh, it's it's tough for, um, you know, for all of that to, you know, happen. And, and What do you and, think and about, like, T.Y. Hilton being out, but he's still got, like, Taylor running back and so forth? What do you expect the Colts to try to do? They're going to they're gonna try and grind the ball. Um, and how does that stack up to what we want to do, both on offense and defense? Well, well I think the Seahawks... Um, are a team that's built to stop the run. I mean, we saw that last year when, even though the, the even though the defense overall was, you know, mediocre at best um, for most of the year, and then down the stretch it became it became pretty good. But uh, they were a good run stuffing team. Mm -hmm. I think they finished fifth um, against the run, and but it was like fourth in yards per carry. Um, so it's not like they were oh fifth against the run because it was easy to pass against them, so no one ran it. No, in terms of yards per carry, they were also good. Um, and now you've got a team that doesn't have their best receiver, um, has some young talent at receiver, but no one's, there's no DK Metcalf there. There's no, um, Michael Pittman Jones and, and Zach Pascal and they're great, yeah. but they're, you know, 40 reception guys for 500 yards and, 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 you know, a few touchdowns type guys. Yeah. And they don't really have they, a, a tight end group per se. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, their starter is, is Jack Doyle and their, um, second guy is Mo Ali Cox. I mean, those guys aren't going to scare anyone. Um, I mean, they're, they're, they're good players, but they're not great players. Um, so he doesn't have a ton of weapons. They're not Zach Ernst him. like he had in Philly. He's not yeah. going to have like a, a plug that's just sitting out there all the time that he can just throw to. Yep. Maybe Jonathan and Taylor so out of the backfield. I know they like a couple of their guys like Marlon Mack and Hines as well, but. There's not mm -hmm. a lot about the offense other than Taylor running the ball that, that really scares and, me. And, and Taylor's great. I mean, he's the best player on their offense. Um, Absolutely. You know, 
Okay. Uh, if you take say, if you take the the offensive lineman out of the equation, yeah, he's the the best person who will touch the football on their offense. Um, and so they're gonna that's if if he's your best player, you're gonna lean on him, right? And that's what they're gonna do. They're gonna try and get him going, and you know wear the Seahawks down and keep the ball out of Russell Wilson's hands. And that's what they're gonna do. But the Seahawks are good at stopping the run, and that's part of the reason why Daryl Taylor at Sam. Is so interesting because having a guy his size at linebacker to come up and set that edge and keep the mm-hmm. um, runs from getting outside, um, that could be. Dominant. And a guy like Kerry Hyder's underrated in that respect. And so is Rasheem Green. You know, mm-hmm. I have to hand it to him, but he's a great de- run defender guy. And well, Al Woods, so is, you know, and, and so is Col- and, and Collier. And Ford. You know, I, yeah. I don't think they're going to be running. The, I think that, that we hold him unless something happens weird and he breaks down a play and he ends up scampering for like 70 yards or whatever, knock on wood. Um, I, we hold him under 100 yards, I think, in total rushing in this game. And, and conversely, mm-hmm. on the other side, it seems like, and I'm trying not to be a homer on this whole situation, but it seems like our offense is set up in a way to take advantage of what Indianapolis is trying to do against us on defense and what they want to do on offense. It seems like we'll just be able to outscore them. Yeah. And that's the thing is I, I just, um, I like uh, their defense. I think they've got some good talent there, but you know, they're missing, you know, one of their better players on the back end um, who hasn't practiced in the last couple of days. And so you take your best cornerback out and you put your number two on um, DK Metcalf, that is a scary idea. And then you still have Lockett and Eskridge catching stuff out, you know, and Gerald Everett, and yeah, and and yeah, you just look at it and you're like, who, how are how are they stopping Seattle's offense? Um, what I think will stop Seattle's offense is if they just don't execute and they don't, and they tr- really they try have, to force the ball. Yeah, and and so if if there's just no execution because they haven't actually gone out and and they skipped the entire preseason and all of that. Um, you know, that stops that Seattle's be a offense. But, but I just don't know. I mean, they have a great run defense. And you know Seattle wants to run the ball. Um, It'll be, it's you know, a great he, test for Shane Waldron to got, kind of figure this out. It's like, mm-hmm. did, you know, do they, do they run the ball to set up the pass? Do they pass the ball to set up the run? They've t- all talked about the scheme and the sets that they run um, being uh, very similar. In the, in the way that they can uh, set up and run both a pass and, a, and a, a run play out of the same look. And I think that plays into the advantage, too. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I, I just, I really, I like the Seahawks, um, the way it matches up. Um, the Seahawks have how many major- How many times are you going to be able to say that almost against any team that we face this year, regardless of opponent? Um, any it opponent seems like that that's going to be like a common theme. It, yes, but any opponent that has a top receiver, like week two, um, is going <laughs> that that is yeah, not you would a have, you would go straight to the throat right there, the, yeah. the Achilles heel. Yeah, because it, 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 the Seahawks don't have a cornerback that can step up and stop um, uh, Julio Jones. No, right? they just they don't. Um, and so if you if that's the strength of your um, offense, if you are a team that with, with top end wide receiver talent, you're going to 
you're going to not, you're not, you're not going to be scared of Seattle's defense. Um, because even if Seattle's pass rush is good, well, they, that, okay, they're going to have to, they could, would just go into a complete zone defense in that situation just by default and hope that they can get to the passer with four rushers and by attrition mm-hmm. make a team methodically move down the field in like five yard chunks, four yard chunks to like convert third downs. And it, it would be one of those games. That's what I'm anticipating on facing a team yep. like that. Yeah. And I agree with you. I think that, um, I mean, that's where a guy like uh, Marquise Blair shows his value in that you can have the third safety out there. Right? Mm-hmm. So you can really set up your zones and, and, and the guy, um, the sideline, yeah. the sideline guy. Yep. Yeah. And Brooks and so you, too. You can. Yep. And, uh, but that is not the case here because which of those, which of those wide receivers is going? Well, to I mean, they do have Paris um, Campbell and, you know, these guys are more speed oriented guys, guys that are suited to take the ball off. Now, Michael Pittman isn't that way, but Zach Pascal is. And um, so if they can get the ball to those guys in space, I think they have an opportunity or a chance, but um, I'm just, I'm, I'm in agreement with you in that there's nobody really scaring anybody there, you know? So mm-hmm. it really does come down for me to stopping Taylor and, and letting Wentz do his dink and dunk thing without getting any big shots over the top and eventually getting to him and eventually causing some turnovers. So that would be my strategy if I was the Seahawks. Um, I would imagine, based on years of watching football, that that's probably what's going to happen, is that they'll they'll go into a, you know, a fairly soft zone, allow Carson Wentz to, to throw the ball a little bit so they can keep the ball out of Taylor's hands as much as they can to try to mitigate that and slowly you know speed the game up a little bit in in essence because you're not taking time off the clock um with taylor you're you're causing some inner uh, incompletions and so forth and you're going to be less efficient overall on third down and hopefully they can take control of the clock that way and seattle can just kind of outpace indianapolis and just score a ton now we've we talked before the show about seattle maybe starting slow and that this might be a low scoring type of game um, where I can totally see that happening to where it's just a schlog. Like we, we can't quite figure it out yet. We, we aren't converting on third down. We can't seem to get to the red zone. Um, you know, the, the punters out there way more than we want. And it just ends up being an ugly game and a low scoring game. The, the opposite could happen, but it seems like it's more likely that it's low scoring just given the fact that they just haven't played yet. Yeah. And I mean, I, but look what happened last year though. We came out of the gate like gangbusters. So I don't know. True. Well, and and we will see, I mean, it it comes down to one of the things about um, Seattle's offense, having not played at all in the preseason is there is no clue um, what is going to happen um, as far as the offense, what are they going to do? What are they going to lean on? What are their tendencies? We don't have tendencies at this point because we didn't even, they didn't even play in the preseason. They just literally didn't even. And they didn't run any plays. None of that. Really. Just vanilla as vanilla can be. Yep. And so with, with no offensive tendencies, you can't game plan against uh, that kind of stuff. So you have to just look at Seattle's talent and be like, okay, so we are going to assume 
that they're going to want to do certain things and we need a game plan against that. But what if those assumptions are wrong? So what, what would, what would turn the tables? What do you mean? What would, if those assumptions are wrong, tell me like what would be wrong and what would they do in, in place of the assumptions? No, I'm saying, so if the, if the culture are, are like, okay, so they're going, if their assumptions are, they're going to kind of do more like what they did last year. They're going to run the ball, um, try and establish the run. And when they, uh, when that doesn't work, they're going to throw it deep to DK Metcalf. If, um, uh, if, if that's the game plan, then, you know, for them, they they might be really surprised that, you know, everything is getting Russell Wilson, um, rolling out, hitting crossing routes, um, finding Gerald Everett at eight yards um, downfield, you know, just that kind of stuff. And that's not what they game planned for. Well, and so they the, have to, they, then they have to adjust. The, the, right? the fun thing about this thing is when you really parsed words in the spring after Shane Waldron was hired, he had a press conference and he talked about what he, what they want to do, what he wants to do, what his kind of overall philosophy was, was that he wanted to be able to do everything. So he wanted mm-hmm. to be always be able to dictate terms. So last yep. year, that was not the case. Uh, the first five games out, we dictated terms. Russell Wilson was throwing the ball all the time, and Schottenheimer thought he was in heaven. But he couldn't adjust after that, and and we became one-dimensional, and it killed us. Shane Waldron mm-hmm. is the opposite of that, whereas he wants to be able to do four or five things equally well and be ready to go to those things throughout the game, in-game adjustments. Let's not wait until halftime to make an adjustment. If we're seeing something we don't like to see on the first drive, let's don't do it again. Let's don't keep going back to that well. Let's go do something else. And then maybe we come back to that in the third quarter. You know, it just... Yeah. Right. If you look at the playoffs the last two years um, under Shoddy, uh, the Seahawks' offensive game plan was to run it against a really strong run defense. And when that didn't work, that's we're why run it some I'm more. paying attention to this game a lot. Because yeah, so if, Indy if they is, come out, they're a great run defense. But if the Seahawks come out and say, we want to establish Chris Carson, we want to make sure that we're keeping them honest and we're going to run it up the middle, um, they're going to punt. They're going to three and out the first possession. And then um, it's going to, they're going to make that adjustment. They're going to be like, okay, we can't do that anymore. Which is, those are the adjustments that they never made under Schottenheimer. And they will make. I mean, that's, that was the whole point of that press conference you're talking about is if they can do everything well, they can run the ball well, they can have the short passing, mid-game passing, the deep passing, you can't take away everything as a defense. There is and And a, think about how much that plays right into Russell Wilson's strengths. Yeah. And so um, there's always a weakness to whatever whatever play you've called defensively. It has a weakness. Um, you hope that the, that the play that they've called on offense isn't to the play that is the weakness to your defense. Uh, but when you do everything well, you can find those weaknesses and exploit them. And when they make adjustment and they go to something different, you make another adjustment and attack that new, new thing's weakness. Um, and, and that's what, what Waldron wants. It's what he talked about. Um, and that's what the best coached teams do. So I feel like getting out of here and, going to watch a little football tonight and um, going to watch some football. Yeah. And getting ready for the weekend. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Um, prediction really quick. What do you think? I think it's going to be lower scoring than we'd like. I think 
I mean, obviously what we'd like is for Wilson to, um, you know, hit on a few bombs and, and take off like last year and, you know, have it be 35 points. And, and then you've got wins having to throw them back in it, which is never going to happen. Um, and it ends up being a thing, see, thing, but I don't, I don't trust that it's going to end that way. I think there's going to be enough. I don't want to say rust. Cause that just means like you haven't played in a while, but it just, they haven't worked out the kinks on offense at full speed. And so I think there's going to be enough of that, enough mistakes in execution that will slow the Seahawks down, allow the Colts to kind of stay in it. But I don't think the Colts are going to score a lot of points. So um, I think it's going to be lower scoring. Um, 17-13 wouldn't surprise me. Um, and I'll go with that, even though it's probably too low of a low scoring. Yeah, but it's, that's it's what too I'm low, Keith. And, and I'll tell you why. When did they score just 17 points last year? Like maybe once. I mean, it, they scored like 30 plus points almost every single game against regardless of opponent. And so I'm thinking it's probably, in fact, I'm going to revise my, my, my guess. Uh, we, we talked about earlier. Uh, I'm going up into the 30s on the Seahawks offense. I, I just honestly believe this is Russell Wilson's year. DK Metcalf's going to be an all pro. I mean, things are really going to start to come together. Right, they've just got a complete offense that is able to do all things really well. They could end up being mm-hmm. the number one offense in the NFL with the crew that they've got. Just the potential is there. I'm not exaggerating. It could happen, and I think it starts week one. And so I'm, I'm thinking like 31 to 21. I'll get I'll, maybe not even 21, like 17 or 23, some odd odd thing. I don't know. I, I just don't feel like those guys are going to get into the end zone with touchdowns. I think there's going to be some field goals. I think the Seahawks defense is pretty good at giving up some things, you know, throughout the, the in between the 20s, but they t- do tighten up. Um, so we'll just see. That's that's where I'm coming from. So, all right. Anything else? No. Let's yeah, let's here. go talk about this game next <clears throat> week and um, have fun, everybody, watching the game and come back here uh, and uh, join us again. You can find Keith at Myers NFL. I'm at NW Seahawk. The show is at Hawks Playbook. SeahawksPlaybook.com has all of the uh, everything, essentially everything. Uh, find us on your favorite podcast app and uh, subscribe on YouTube. Um, come over and join the crowd over there. So until next time, go Hawks. Go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NWSeahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.